So I'll, I'll use a, an analogy. So if you're riding a bike, when you're riding a bike, you're using your muscles, right? Using your leg muscles, right? And you're going up that bike and you're going up hills, whatever, and you're strong and you stay strong, right? If you get an electric bike or an artificial bike, the momentum, you're stop, You're not losing your, your leg muscles anymore. So what happens if you don't use a muscle over time? It atrophies and you. It, there's no more power there. And that's what happens with alcohol is that because you're not – this artificial substance outside of your body is what you're using to create your endorphins. You slowly lose the ability to be happy on your own because it's so used to the alcohol creating it. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Mm-hmm. We believe it's really, really hard to change your drinking alone. So we're all about community. We're about keeping each other on track. Each week we feature a community voice just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. Here's a lady from one of our WhatsApp groups. Morning all. Um, my Friday win. Today is day 146 for me. Wow, actually I can't believe I, I did it. I actually did it. I'm in Hermanus at our holiday home, an old battleground for me. Um, coming here for weekends was always filled with an equal amount of excitement and dread. Excitement um, for the little th- rituals of eating out and drinking, but that was accompanied by dread because I knew it would inevitably be filled with guilt, shame and regret for what would follow those jolly occasions. And now here I am on a Friday and I'm free, I'm completely free. I'm joyful, happy, content, and I still enjoy all those occasions, but I actually can remember them, and I leave you feeling proud and content at the end of the weekend. It's so worth it. So thank you, Janet, and this tribe for giving me the support to do this. Onwards. So if you want to join our tribe and connect with others on this path, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. Now, as you can imagine, I read a lot of articles about alcohol-related subjects, and I've got pretty good at speed reading these days. But recently, I came across an article that pretty much stopped me in my tracks. It was called The Science of Why You Should Quit Drinking. And the author was a guy called Ken Middleton. Now, Ken writes for Medium, he's got his own newsletter, and he's busy writing a book. And his specialist subject is, yes, you've guessed it, it's alcohol. His newsletter is called Alcohol is Not Your Friend. And he's pretty much on a mission to prove why that is the case. So as you can imagine, Ken and I had lots to talk about. I began our conversation by asking him to introduce himself. 
Ken Middleton, uh, editor of ANF, uh, the medium publication you found me from. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, background, I've been in sales for about 14 years now, um, selling uh, IT staffing and married to my beautiful wife, Lena Kang, who we're coming up on our first year anniversary. So we're still kind of newlyweds going through the COVID stuff. So uh, so that's my background. That's kind of what a little bit about me. Awesome. I was reading your 40th birthday blog the other day. It was just so inspiring. And I love the way that you said that alcohol doesn't ruin most people's lives. It just stops them living up to their full potential. And I think that is so true. So so just talk to, tell us your story, Ken, why you decided to stop drinking. Yeah, definitely, uh, Janet. I appreciate it. So it, it really was, I think the way you worded that is exactly why I stopped drinking. And it wasn't like alcohol was ruining my life because as I share with you, sales 14 years, I've been pretty successful, made good money, started working for myself and started my own IT staffing company, which was like an individual boutique forum firm. And when I tell you, Janet, I busted my tail working for two and a half years trying to be successful. Um, and I just wasn't seeing the success. And, and I've always, I think I've been blessed with a high work ethic, um, high discipline. And I know I put in the time to be successful and I just wasn't seeing it. And uh, and it probably happened that I was thinking about going back to my former company and it was um, around October, November of 2018. And I was just thinking, Janet, I was like, I've done everything. I, I feel like I've, I've sacrificed everything to be successful. But the one thing that I hadn't sacrificed, and it was the one thing that I always, and I think we all have this feeling, there was a little something in the back of my head that was saying, is this really serving you? Is this really helping you? Could this be a problem or something that you need to consider either not doing it all or lessening how much you did it? And I was like, you know what? If I fail at this, which would be my own business, I want to. I don't want to say I didn't give it my all. And if I didn't give up alcohol or at least try to control how much I was drinking, I don't feel like I could have said that. And I decided at that time that I was going to give it my all and just not drink anymore. And, and the, what happened, Janet, is that once I stopped drinking, it was like immediately, boom, the success started coming. And I started getting deals and started making money. And I was like, all right, this is it. Like, things are good. And it, so clearly, <laughs> there was something there, right? And, Wow. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. Um, I, it made me reflect on when, when I decided that I was going to try and stop drinking. I went along to AA and I just didn't feel that I fitted. You know, I tried different uh, groups, but it, it's occurred to me now after seeing that sentence that those people were further down the line than I was. You know, they had ruined their lives. <laughs> They'd lost everything. And I hadn't. I was a very functioning alcoholic, you know, still had a good job, the nice family. So the people that I work with now are are like that. You know, they're people that are holding everything together, but with a lot of effort and they're not developing their potential because they're drinking. So that, that sentence of yours really um, hit it on the head for me. And that was my thing, Janet. And that, and that was why, um, and I think a lot of us go through this. I think there's something called a, a functional group, some, some functional group, about 20% of the population drinks and they're successful. That is what does it. They are not, like their lives are fine, but what happens is over time, and you you know this, it, it kind of beats away at you, beats away at you. And I shared in one of my articles that if for a lot of people, there's a 17 to, excuse me, 16 to 20 year period of drinking. If you start around 18 and 19, it's around the time when you're in your 40s, like early, late 30s, early 40s is when the problem begins to happen. And I was on the precipice of that occurring to me. 
Absolutely. And they do say, I mean, the research tells us that 20% of just social drinkers, but people that drink like that over a couple of decades, they will become dependent. And those of us that are in that 20%, you know, we, we need to be careful. Uh, and I also believe that alcoholism, if you want to call it that, is a spectrum. Yes. You know, we've got the guys that have lost everything at one end, the person that doesn't drink at the other end, and then there's kind of millions of us along that spectrum. And we're at different stages. So so well done you for stepping off it. <laughs> I got lucky. I really think I got lucky. So here you are, Ken, two years into your alcohol-free life and feeling great, looking good. So talk Thank to you. us about the joys of sobriety. If you had to try and convince someone that, you know, was knew they were drinking too much, they wanted to start, but they just couldn't imagine it being possible and they weren't sure whether it was worth it anyway. I think the first thing I'll start with, Jenna, is sleep, right? That is the one that I think for me was such a game changer because sleep is so important to your mind, your rejuvenation, and how you're able to be successful in so many things, just your overall health. And for me, when I when I used to drink, and we all know this, this pattern, right? You go out, you start drinking, you party with your friends. For me, my wife and I, we, we were drinking together, my then girlfriend, now wife, um, and we will, we will start drinking this 5, 30, 6 o'clock, go out and party, be home by 10 o'clock, right? Early night in the grand scheme of things, things and um, go to sleep, boom, immediately fall asleep. And then you know the pattern, 2 o'clock, 2.30, you wake up and you could not go back to sleep. And that was a consistent cycle for me. And, um, and it just the damage that it does to your body over time, not getting those seven REM cycles every night, y- there's no way that you can be 100% the next day. So the sleep now, I mean, right after I dream, stop drinking. I mean, being able to sleep the entire night, not waking up, like like not having those bouts of what is going on here. I got to wake up in four hours and I'm about to lose my mind because I cannot go to sleep. Uh, huge. The other thing, other um, benefits is just, just being present, like just really not like I was one of those people that, I mean, it was a huge habit for me. And I think you saw this in one of my writings, go out, drink, blackout, eat tiki masala, right? Blackout, <laughs> right? And um, cause just eat something I should and then blackout, like not even know what was going on. And for me, it was like, like just not having, like being remembering what I'm doing. So my wife and I, we go and we do so many things, Janet, and just having those memories there as opposed to these spots of not remembering anything is huge. Um, and then now, like, so before when we used to drink, we had the same patterns. We would go and travel. We love to travel, but we would do the same things in most most cities. We'll find a bar with a pool <laughs> spot, right? We'll go drink at some bar, play darts, and that would be it. Would be the same thing, just in different cities. So we weren't really experiencing the city as opposed to the same thing we did in different cities. Now, when we travel, because we don't drink, we're always always researching such more creative things to do when we go and it's just a fuller life overall that we get to experience and we've done so many things walking hike walking trails hiking that had we been drinking would have never done and it's just little stuff like that that's just made life more enjoyable and fuller overall without a doubt yeah oh that's beautiful i love that example because in fact you could travel the world but if all you do is sit in a bar a dark bar and get hammered you might as well stay at home <laughs> exactly and we we were, we didn't recognize we were doing that and it, we weren't really experienced in what that city had the offer now we get to see the cities and their greatness 
You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Awesome. You said in one of your articles, I think, that you you stopped via spontaneous sobriety. So what's that all about? Tell me about that. And that's why I say, Janet, as I said earlier, I was lucky because it wasn't like – it wasn't like to, as I shared before, I felt like I had a major problem. As someone who has has made bad decisions with drinking, I probably should have had thought I had a problem, but I didn't because I was successful. I had more money in the bank than probably I would say most people did. So I felt like if you know that's proven that I'm, you know, that's my scorecard, if you will. Um, but but so that the night that we quit drinking, I remember it like it was yesterday. It wasn't even leading up to that. It wasn't like I had thought about it. I kind of thought about it, but it wasn't like I had made the decision. But my wife and I met a couple, one of our best couples. Um, I will never forget it. I mean, actually, I have it tattooed on my body. Um, it was very random. November 10th, 2018, we had dinner with our friends at Eclipse de Luna. I, I, I just remember everything. And we came home that night, and I went to sleep with my, with my wife, the same things I usually do. I just woke up the next morning, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like try to cut back on drinking for a little bit. And I was like, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think I'm just going to cut back. And I told my wife, because I always tell her everything, right? And she was like, you know, well, you know, I'll do it with you. We can just see how long we go. And that was really it. That was the extent of it. And then one day turned into a week, a week turned into a month, and a month has turned into almost two years. And it was really just like, and and it hasn't been hard, hard. Like it's been, there's been Sometimes that's been a little challenging, right? I would say three months in, it was a little challenging. Maybe six months was the only time in which I was like, am I going to completely do this? But for the most part, it's been like rolling downhill where as I started to see the momentum of, of things turning around for my life and the mental clarity and just the all the things that I wasn't experiencing before – it was like, man, this is telling me that this is the right, right decision. And and the lucky thing, having my wife with me, my best friend, it, it's made it a lot easier that since we're doing it together. Yeah, that's wonderful that she she's come on the journey with you. And what about your other uh, friends? You know, have have the guys been giving you a hard time, telling you you're boring these days? Well, you know, <laughs> I got to be honest, and I and I wrote about this in my in Anuf, and I'm I'm 100 true about it, and I and I and I want to be clear with people. You are going to lose friends, and it's sad. There's no way you can put it. Put it like they're going to be friends that are going to stay around, and these are going to be your true friends. These are going to be the people that they care about you as a person, and then they're going to be those ancillary friends, which are just people that, and you may have hung out with them a long time and a lot, but what you don't recognize is every time you hung out with them, you were drinking, and when you spend time with them when you're not drinking. There just isn't the com- there aren't the commonalities there. I think you shared an article on World Without Wine that I love that I just read that the young lady um, Gillian wrote. Gillian May wrote about Am I boring? I don't because I don't drink. And the reality is, and it is, it's relative. But if you compare it to your life before. Yes, it is going to be boring. There's, there's just that's just the reality, and you just have to understand that. But you got to look at what you're getting versus what you're losing, and the gains are outweighing what you're losing. But your life is going to be different, and it's not going to be the same. Um, and yes, you're going to lose some friends, unfortunately, because those people that you hung out with before and the things they they were doing, if they're not serving your new lifestyle. 
it's going to make it more difficult for you to continue to live it, live it. So, um, so yeah, I've lost friends, but I've gained a lot of perspective and I've gained some friends too, from this new lifestyle and meeting great people like you and others that I would have never had met had I not decided to go down this journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's my experience too. And I often say, well, what's more boring than a drunk person, you know, cause they tell the same story over and over again. Yeah. And they don't recognize <laughs> it. Right. And they don't even remember it the next day, you know? So, you know, I like to be clear with people though, cause I had a blog when I wrote about, you know, um, it's something that people don't recognize that your life is not more exciting sober. It's just not right. But with, with the lack, but your life is not more exciting if you're not, a, a terrorist if you're not a like there's a lot of things that makes your life more exciting but that doesn't mean it's better right and you gotta there's a difference between more exciting and better and for me i did a lot of things when i was drinking that a lot of people would consider exciting but at the same time i almost went to jail numerous times right like is that the life that i don't want to have that stress on my life so it's like it's a trade-off and you just got to be prepared for it yeah, yeah. And I mean, as you say, just because you've stopped drinking, it doesn't mean life is perfect. You know, it's life still has its ups and downs, but I think we're better equipped to cope with them, you know, because otherwise when we're drinking, we just, we go into denial and we just numb all the, the pain, don't we? And we, we don't make any progress with improving things. And that's one of the fall- fallacies I want to make sure people understand. Stop drinking doesn't solve your problems. No. It doesn't. It will solve some problems. It won't solve all problems. It will solve some problems but what it does it makes you more equipped and better equipped to solve the other problems and that's what people need to realize yeah absolutely let's talk about the anif am i saying it correctly yeah yeah it's perfect yeah Yeah. okay Um, has it always been a passion of yours to write because you you do write so well did you used to write at school and when you were much younger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I saw from day one, I loved to read as a kid. Um, I was actually in my uh, college journalism, The Pine Needle, which was our, um, I was the, I was, I was a writer for them, loved to write. And I uh, has always been, I mean, like most people, writing a book has been, hey, the thing that one of those ultimate goals. And when I stopped drinking, and really for me, it was a, uh, the, the 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 stuff that we were learning is what was really so excited and I, and I was talking to my wife about it and I was like man you know when I came up with the the, the acronym ANF it was like I used to think when I like alcohol gave you everything you want in life I was the guy that was like if you want something in life drinking you'll get it right because all the stuff that I did it was so amazing drinking in the nights out and stuff and I used to think alcohol is my buddy and then I was like man you know what alcohol is not your friend like alcohol is the enemy like in, in alcohol is one of those things that is, is it thinks you it makes you think that is helping you when it's hurting you so much so we were probably three months in when I came up with the acronym alcohol, alcohol is not your friend and I started talking to my wife about hey I want to write a book because I just want to educate people because for me it was about what really changed it for me and I'll tell anyone, the purpose of ANF is around using science to make sure it really drives the point home with people. It's science-based education to drive home what alcohol does to you. Because I didn't recognize exa- – I thought – I knew it was bad for you, but I had no idea. And luckily, so we I quit November 10, 2018. Two weeks later, my wife and I took a trip to Dublin, Ireland, and it was a 14-hour plane – or it was, I don't know, 10-hour 10 10 hour plane ride – eight hours, something like, I think it was an eight hour plane ride, six hours or something like that. So on that flight, I luckily fortuitously found Annie Grace's This Naked Mind. 
And I don't know if anyone's ever read that book, but that book will change your life. And as I read through that, and, and it sounds like you read it, Janet, just how Annie does it and explains the science backing of what alcohol does to you, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was, and I, because I told my wife, we were on the plane, I was like, you know what? After reading this book, I had said that I was going to, because when we decided to stop drinking, it was, it was, it was going to be a break. It was not, we're doing this forever. And then once I said, after reading that book, I was like, I don't, I'm afraid to go back now because what this book is telling me is that educating me on where I was, because I, I was the person that has no off switch. To me, when you start, you drink to get drunk. I don't drink to for the taste. I don't. I drink to feel good and to feel good as long as possible. I was in that class that, hey, Ken, you're going to be an alcoholic. Like you're just going to. And if you like, because the science of it tells you that you are. And then for me, it was it was everything. And that's why I created Anif. It's like to use any type of methodology of using science to educate people because. That's what did it for me, and hopefully it can you know spread that word and do it for others. Yeah, I, I love Annie too. We're we're all big fans of Annie Grace over here. Yeah. And, um, what what I love the most about her approach is she doesn't talk about willpower, does she? I mean, we know that willpower's got a fi- is a finite resource. She talks about the mindset. You know, we've because we've all you know been brainwashed, haven't we, for so many years by the liquor industry that we need to drink their product or we're not normal or we're not having a happy life. So to to be able to switch that around, you know, and these days I quite enjoy seeing the the liquor advertising because I think, oh yeah, right. And when I'm watching a movie, you know, and they're they're all drinking away, I think, oh yeah, Dang. it's so subtle, and I like, yeah. and you don't notice it because to your point does a fish notice water we've been in it for so long that we don't even we think it's natural but now when we stop and we we know we're like do people really do that like i i started noticing my wife and i we just started noticing all these shows i use the example that i wrote about where someone gets promoted it's two o'clock in the afternoon and the guy goes into the office with his boss and his boss pulls out one of those liquor sets and pours him a, a glass of brandy it's like hey you want to drink bob where does that happen like does that happen it doesn't happen in real life but they want you to think it does so they can slowly push alcohol on you and make you want to drink you see the ladies, don't you, in these these shows like is it The Good Life? I was watching something the other day. She's a top lawyer, you know, the senior partner in this law firm, and she's you know knocking back enormous uh, glasses of wine in the evening. And there's no way you can um, operate at that kind of level if if you're doing that. Yeah, I think you know we've uh, even as children, yeah, you know, because we see our parents drinking, we associate it with you know happy times, and then we go to university and they're all drinking there, and then we go to work and they're all drinking there. So it's uh, it's just insidious, as you say. You know, hopefully people like you and myself, we can you know start. I think the key's got to be to start educating children. You know, this this science that you talk about, it's got to be in schools. You know, it really. When you does. think about the useless things that some kids are taught, you know, <laughs> and, and this this can save their lives and change their lives and make sure that they develop their potential. It's so much more important than learning like dates, you know, of history and stuff like that. Agreed, you know, because they say drugs and alcohol, what they don't really, and we should just got to be honest with ourselves, alcohol is a drug. 
right? And when they sh- they they talk to kids about it, to your point, the spectrum, they only give them the spectrum of you don't want to be an alcoholic. So everyone in their mind is thinking, well, as long as I'm not on that side, I'm fine. They don't talk about all the other negative effects of it and the fact that it's going to get you there. So no, no one, when they first start drinking, thinking they're going to become an alcoholic. It's the slow progress over years and years that gets them there. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, absolutely. So let's um, let's go back to your your lovely article, which is how I discovered you. It's called The Science of Why You Should Quit Drinking Alcohol. And I love your subtitle, which says, if you don't have a problem with drinking now, science says you probably will in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that grabs people's attention. So do you want to summarize just this thing? You know, the thing about if we really get hooked on alcohol, we lose interest in everyday pleasures. I think that's that's the most startling and frightening. Yeah, series two. I think series two, episode eight, you described that you did a fantastic job. So first of all, I want to tell you kudos because you you broke it down as well as I could have broken it down. So fantastic job to you um, on a, um, on your podcast here. But yeah, the big thing I think is that science, endorphins, dynorphins, homeostasis, your body wants to be regular, right? For everyone listening out there, your body always wants to be at the base level. Whenever you drink alcohol, I'm going to use an analogy that I think will hopefully drive this home for people. Um, Alcohol is is an official, artificial creator of your endorphins, right? Endorphins makes us feel good. We're excited, blah, 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 blah. Alcohol makes you create it artificially, right? And anything that you create artificially over time, why it you you lose your ability to create it naturally, right? And that's where alcohol really gets you. So I'll, I'll use a, an analogy. So if you're riding a bike, when you're riding a bike, you're using your muscles, right? Using your leg muscles, right? And you're going up that bike and you're going up hills, whatever, and you're strong and you stay strong, right? If you get an electric bike or an artificial bike, the momentum you're stop you're not losing your your leg muscles anymore so what happens if you don't use a muscle over time it atrophies and you it, there's no more power there and that's what happens with alcohol is that because you're not this artificial substance outside of your body is what you're using to create your endorphins you slowly lose the ability to be happy on your own because it's so used to the alcohol creating it so to your point Janet the little things that used to make you exciting, you lose your ability to like easy st- as kids. And I, this is what really drove it home for me. You remember as like probably a young lady, a, a young girl, five, six, nine, 10, 12, 13 years old, never drank before. How happy could we be as a kid? And I just, I finally got back over once I stopped drinking that just little excitement that I didn't have because once you drink, you just don't naturally feel that anymore. You only feel excitement at times when you're drinking because your body only knows to create it. We talk about the endorphins and the dinorphins. When the dinorphins are created to get you back to base level, right? And over time, the more you drink and the dinorphins take you back to base level, they're going to start 
it, um, proactively creating themselves so you can't be happy unless you drink because the dinorphins are trying to preempt you drinking. You drink every day at five. The dinorphin knows it's coming at five. So it says, hey, we know this is coming. So now we're going to release this into your body. So then you get depressed and you have to drink to feel better. So it's just the science of as you drink over time and your body loses the ab- your ability to, to be happy on its own, alcohol just makes you have to have it because otherwise you feel depressed and that's why a lot of scientists now not only they always they always knew that alcohol exacerbates depression now they're starting to theorize that alcohol actually creates depression in a lot of people it's quite amazing and it's it's a trap isn't it it's such a trap we're just not taught this to your point, Janet. We're just not taught this in school. You're not given that information. You're told you don't want to be the drunk on the corner, not you want to be the person making $200,000 a year, but hates your life because you're depressed and you can't be happy unless you drink every day. That's what we're not taught. Yeah. Because the education seems to go towards the hard drugs, you know, but alcohol kills 3 million people a year, uh, alcohol related events and and diseases but that's that's many more times than all the hard drugs put together yet the education seems to be around the hard drugs because I, I you know I was educated and it was like heroin and coke oh no you know you don't touch those things because I, I was you know warned that you'd become addicted quite quickly but nobody ever said you'll be become addicted to alcohol and I think it's probably well obviously because it's a legal drug but also because it takes time you know it does take a couple of decades for most of us to get to get really hooked so we start to think well it's fine you know i can, can go out and and get smashed once a week and it'll be fine <laughs> it just but, gets uh, you everything's okay but yeah it's 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 a slow slow burn as they say I mean, you can imagine in COVID times too now, right? Where, I mean, I mean, I think, you know, it's, I mean, I do a lot of reading about a lot of this stuff and how the, the, it's interesting how the liquor industry made a conscious decision probably about 10 or 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago to really target moms. And you hear one o'clock and, you know, you go into Target and when you put your baby, Annie talked about this, you put your baby in the cart, there's a wine bottle emblem in there like, hey, don't you want some wine? And now one of the biggest groups of people drinking and having alcohol problems are women between the ages of 30 and 50 because, you know, you're at home all day and it's, it's just so normalized because it just seems like it's a part of society. So, you know, it's going to take some consistent, I mean, and that's my, my mission is, and I just want to talk about alcohol consciousness. I'm not saying that you shouldn't drink. Um, listen, I'm not saying everyone shouldn't, I don't think alcohol needs to be um, outlawed or any of that. I, cause there are some people who have the ability to control their relationship with alcohol. They can drink one or two drinks. They're fine. They don't have the need to desire more. I don't. But alcohol consciousness is just having the knowledge of knowing this is what I'm doing to myself. This is how I'm hurting myself. This is what I'm if, – if you're making a decision to do this, you just need to know this is what I'm giving up for what I'm getting. As long as you do that, to my opinion, you're drinking alcohol conscious. You know what you're doing. You're not just drinking sublimely thinking all is well when you're killing yourself or slowly hurting yourself in so many other ways that are not recognized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we kind of call that moderation here. And we get people coming to our workshops because we call our workshops how to moderate or quit. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, my my experience over the years, because we've run more than 50 of these now, and really most of the people that come along, they do need to quit completely. Yeah. But it's a journey, you know. So I say to people, well, keep try and drink within the low-risk limits, which uh, are only one and a half bottles of wine a week. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be, you know, low risk. So uh, I say if you can keep to that week after week without any mishaps, then that's fine, you know, well done. And I would, I'm jealous. I would love to be like you. Yeah. And sometimes they go away, they leave our workshops because we've given them lots of strategies to help them as well. And then they come back sometimes, you know, six months later and they say, oh, I really tried. Well, do studies. They've done studies on this, Janet, and it, and it, and it is a um, physiological thing in, with genetically, right? Because I'm guessing for you, because for me, I'm the same way. This is part of me where pleasure, when you experience pleasure, it's just stronger than for other people. Like they've been scientific studies of in alcoholics, their uh, glutamine, uh, GABA receptors, which is part of how you feel pleasure, are stronger than the average person. So for your husband, when he has a drink, it his endorphin spikes a little bit and he feels good, but it doesn't drive him crazy. I'm guessing for people like you and me, it spikes tremendously and it's just stronger. And when we get it, we want more and more and more because yeah. yeah. um, I'm, I'm kind of like – and this goes for me in a lot of different ways. I'm an all or nothing type of person. I, I'm just, this is how I am. Whatever it is, if I'm going to do it, I want to be really, really good at it. And I want to do it really, really hard. That when it comes <laughs> to working out, ex- like everything, that's how I am. And and that's just, that drove over in the alcohol. And I just had to cope to your, to your point, the moderation, some people can do it, but I just got to the point and saw that you know, there's just no way. But I do, I agree with you so much that, because when I tell people when part of my strategy of the meds, it's like, try to moderate because it is a journey and you only get to the point, I think, of coming to the point of accepting that you can't moderate only until you try to moderate. You have to try that first. And when you recognize you can't, then you have to make that next step to say, I got to, can't do it at all. Yeah. Well, I actually spent 10 years trying to moderate because I couldn't bear the thought of my life with no alcohol in it. I just could not imagine it. But uh, I kept trying and failing. I'd be all right for maybe two, three weeks and then everything would, you know, the wheels would come off. So it was a really miserable time just going round and round and your self-esteem plummets because you think, well, what's wrong with me? You know, why can't I be like my friend who just has half a glass of wine and then loses interest? So for many of us, certainly for me, it was so much easier to stop completely. And once I'd accepted that I had to stop, I felt a kind of peace, you know. Then I had to work out how, admittedly, but in my mind, I just felt calmer, you know. I thought, this is the answer, just to ditch the stuff completely. Yeah. But um, There's a quote that I I don't know if it's exactly correct, but it says, 100% is easy, 99% is a bitch. And it relates to the fact that oftentimes to give it up completely is so much easier than trying to control how much you drink. And for a lot of people, and like everyone has their thing, but I feel like just to say no altogether is just so much easier than say, oh, I'm going to try to control it. 
So, Ken, you mentioned uh, something about meds. Meds is yeah. something I created. I, I love acronyms, which is why I have Anith. Um, and I, I came up with the meds because I, the acronym meds originally was the movement to end drinking stagnation. And the reason I put drinking stagnation is because I feel like drinking holds people back and it keeps people in the same place and they don't really uh, progress and they don't recognize how much they're like, I call it the governor, which is a governor that you put on a vehicle that keeps you going at 70 miles per hour where like a lot of public um, utility vehicles, government vehicles, or put a governor on it so they can't only go so fast. Alcohol is the governor for your life. And that felt that way. So the meds originally came from that statement. And I was like, all right, I think I can use this to create a, a strategy or process. And for me, it was what I went through. It was first um, mechanical uh, mental reengineering, which is around educating yourself on what drinking does to you. And that's reading all of these people that are out there, I would say the first one you should read is up my girl, Annie. She's amazing. Annie Grace's book is so good, but there's a lot of other ones. There's Alan Carr's, you know, How to Quit Drinking Easily. There's Craig Beck's um, Alcohol Lied to Me. I mean, there's just so many books. And what you see, what it does is like, Annie will get you started. And as you keep reading more and more, you will start just learning all this information of what alcohol does to you. And that's why I say don't – when I tell people when you're doing the first step, which is mental reengineering, continue to drink. Don't stop drinking then. The reason I say that is because what you want to do is you want to take all these theories of what they're giving you and what they're telling you, and you want to try them out, and you want to see – is alcohol doing this to me? Am I getting that feeling? Oh man, you know what? I noticed that it is that second drink that seems to hit harder than the first drink now. Oh, I noticed I tried to stop at two, but it feels, it's just so challenging and something feels like inside of me. And you will start to be able to then say, okay, can I moderate? Try to moderate because you it's a process. And once you get there, like then you'll say, okay, I got to give it up. If, you, if that's where you get, that allows you to continue to grow. So mental reengineering is the first step, educating yourself, reading a lot of books. The next step is exercise commitment. And the reason I say that is for us, I am always, I always believe that your physical representation is a great uh, um, uh, view of your internal representation. So what you look like on the outside shows a little bit of what you look like on the inside. And this is my personal opinion. There may be some people that don't agree with this, but I say for me, working out, it, it helps in so many ways, right? First of all, um, exercise allows you to de-stress. A lot of times people use alcohol to de-stress. Exercise will help with that. When you stop drinking, one of the biggest things you're going to find you're going to have is a lot of free time, right? That was what I was saying. You're like, I got all these hours on my hand. If you find a hobby or something that you can do exercising, it creates something. It gives you another alternative. When you your body is going to be used to or could, if you did this, 5.35 o'clock, time for a drink. You got to replace that with something. That's one of the biggest strategies when you talk about willpower. If you just try to do this on your own, it's going to be really, really hard. If you substitute it with something else that can then you can have an alternative and start building better habits, your body is going to start learning those habits, right? So exercise commitment is the second step because it allows you to replace the alcohol, help you de-stress. It actually re re reduces your cravings and as well as it allows you to have something else that your body is doing at that time frame that you're used to doing with the alcohol. The next step is diet commitment. So, and the reason I say exercise commitment is, is first, diet is next is because – 
with anything, and a lot of people do this, they often think that working out is the hard part. Working out is not the hard part. The hard part is eating, right? <laughs> that is the part that's really hard. And my thing is because the reason you need to do the diet commitment, because if you're working out, working out, working out, but you're eating like crap and you're eating stuff you shouldn't be eating, you're not going to see the physical change as much. You might stay the same weight. But if you start seeing the physical change and you see that, all right, I'm losing weight, I'm slimmer. We all have a sense of being a little superficial, right? We just are, right? We like to look good. And once you see that, it's just going to be another kind of motivating factor that's going to keep you from drinking. It's going to be, you need something that's like, when you ask the question, as you said before, why am I not drinking? You need something to say, this is why I'm not drinking, right? And if you can see a physical change and if you can see I feel stronger, I sleep better, I'm, I'm just, I look better, everything is better about my life and physically, if you can physically see it, it's going to greater increase the chances that you don't go back to drinking. And then the last thing, the S is called success seeking. And the reason I say that is that when you don't drink, one of the biggest benefits that you asked initially is mental clarity. And it's not just regular mental clarity. What you, most people recognize is that your ability to do things that you you have never had the ability to do them before if you were drinking because of how um, drinking clouds your mind. And I say because that you've given up alcohol, you need some kind of mental challenge, some kind of goal that you're going for that you would have never obtained had you been drinking. And whatever that goal is, like for me, it was to learn Korean because my wife is, is from Korea, right? Her family's from Korea. And, you know, I know, I know how I say, yo, like all these words, I would have never even, you know, choke them, hey, yo, I would have never even come close to understanding the characters and learning what I'm learning. I still have a long way to go, but I'm learning, would have never had the ability to do that had I not done it, had I not, had I been drinking. So for me, when I think to go back to drinking, I'm like, if I go back to drinking, I won't be able to learn Korean. There's no way because my mind won't have the mental capacity to grasp it because it'll be too clouded with the alcohol holding me back. So it builds upon itself. I call it an inverted triangle, right? Which is upside down triangle. And what I, well, the reason I say that is because mental reengineering and you giving up alcohol is the base of it. So you got mental reengineering, deciding alcohol is not your friend and you moving from it. You have exercise commitment and you have nutrition diet change as your two pillars on top of that. And then you have success seeking at the top, right? You have all these things that build upon each other. And with the alcohol or giving up alcohol or controlling it at the base, if you take that away, everything else falls upon itself and you're not able to last because as we all know, one, you know, if you're not drinking, you can't learn Korean Two, when you drink, you're not going to want to get up and go exercise because you're like, screw this. And also when you drink, you're going to probably have that pizza or the tiki masala that you should have at two, you know, nine 30, every, it built like, it just, it, it takes away from your ability to build that triangle. So giving up alcohol is the base exercise, commitment, diet changes next. And then success seeking, it creates the inverted triangle that if you give up, if you, if you go back to drinking, you're not just making that decision. You're collapsing your entire triangle and space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at tribesober.com. That's Janet, J A N E T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation.
Yeah, that, that's beautiful, Ken, because I think uh, so many people, I mean, to quote Annie, you know, certainly in my case, you know in your conscious mind that you're drinking too much and it's got to change, but you've no idea how to make that change. Mm-hmm. And you've got all this conditioning, you know, all these voices saying, oh, I won't be fun anymore, and oh, I'll lose all my friends, and right. oh, I'll be bored, all these voices. But if, you know, you can find a, a nice clear model like you're suggesting, I think that will help so many people. Yeah, so. And it's a process, right? And that's why I I try to be clear that you're going to lose friends and it's going to be hard. And there's going to be some times that you're going to be bored. But by you exercising, changing your diet and success seeking, the more time you got to put into things because you're going to have all this extra time, do something with it. It's going to increase the chances that you're going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I had so much time on my hands. I started world without one. Exactly, right? Look what you were able to accomplish. Like, had you yeah. not had this goal or had something that drove you, Janet, you may have said, why am I not drinking? But now you're like, I have so much to do. I can't drink now because if I drink, there's no way I'm going to be as productive as I've been the last, you know, it's. I think for you, it's been five years, right? So it's just, it, it. you need something that's going to be that, no, you can't give, you can't go back because of these reasons. Yeah. And I read a beautiful quote the other day that um, the purpose that we're put on earth, you know, it's not not just to have pleasure or, or to have power, but it's to discover the meaning and purpose in our lives. And I think we are so much more likely to discover meaning and purpose if we're not drinking. No, I, <laughs> we'll have time to think about it and clarity to think about it. Yeah. I mean, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And everyone that you think, you know, that your life now is fine if you can just and i love that's why i love your 60 day sober challenge and all challenges right it's like just try it that's what i just try to tell people you don't know but you'll never know until you try it just give it a whirl and see what happens and if you feel like your life before was better then go back and live that life but you'll never know if you never give it a try so i just tell people Give it a swing. Absolutely. Yeah. And our 66-day challenge, we uh, designed that because apparently it takes 66 days to build a new neural pathway. Mm -hmm. And what we found is many people, because we've been running these for a few years now, many people come and they do the challenge for a health kick. You know, they've Mm -hmm. got absolutely no intention of giving up drinking. And then at the end, they start saying things like, uh, I think I'll just set a goal of 100 days now. Right, <laughs> it goes, right. It goes on like that and they, they never drink again. So that's amazing because that's exactly what they've done. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. people try it. That's what I tell people. So yeah. no doubt. Okay, well, that's that's been so awesome talking to you, Ken. Anything else you want to add before you say goodbye? Well, no, I just want to add, you know, keep doing your great work, Janet. I, I love your podcast. And I think you do a great job of, you know, making it because I think the problem, and this is what Annie does so well as well, is that when you try to like make it so hardcore, it just turns people off, right? And you understand it's a journey. So keep doing your great job, your great work. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Um, working on Anif. So if anyone, the book, Right. So check me out on Medium. Um, A-I-N-Y-F. Alcohol is not your friend is the Medium publication. You can subscribe to my newsletter there. And hopefully I'm working on a book that will kind of package this all nice and neatly together for people. The goal is to have it out by Christmas time. So I am feverishly working to make that happen. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but um, but um, but yeah, but that but that would be it. So I just want to say um, thanks for having me on the show, Janet, and just keep doing your amazing work. So there you heard author and sobriety advocate Ken Middleton. As usual, I'm going to pull out some key points from that conversation which resonated with me. 
When Ken decided to make a change, it wasn't because alcohol was ruining his life. It was because he realised it was preventing him from reaching his potential. So we talked about the spectrum of alcoholism. We talked about how at one end you've got someone that doesn't drink, at the other end you've got the homeless man in the park clutching his bottle. But the thing is, there's millions of us in between those two extremes. And many of those people on that spectrum are just not achieving their potential because they are drinking too much. So don't wait until you ruin your life and hit rock bottom. It makes far more sense to step off that slippery slope before you get there. You can change the trajectory of your life as you begin to realise your potential. Our community is full of people that have stopped drinking and gone on to do amazing things. We talked about that work hard, play hard culture that corporates almost encourage, don't they? And indeed, many very successful people drink a lot. But the science is telling us that after a couple of decades of doing this, many of us will become dependent. It certainly happened to me and the stats tell us 20% of people will become dependent over the years. I love Ken's stories about travelling to various cities on vacation with his partner and how their usual routine was to check into the hotel and then go and find a nice bar, play some darts, pass the evening there. And indeed, they had fun. But since they've stopped drinking, their routine is quite different. They go to the hotel, they check in, and then they start exploring the city. I think there's a bit of an analogy in there somewhere about how drinking narrows your life and takes away your curiosity about life. I mean, let's face it, if you're sitting in a bar, you could be anywhere in the world. So why not get out there and find out what's happening when you travel? So now that Ken's experienced the massive changes and benefits of alcohol-free living for himself, he's on a mission to use science to prove just why alcohol is so bad for us. He's writing his awesome articles regularly in Medium. You can subscribe to Medium. He's also producing a regular community newsletter called ANIF. Alcohol is not your friend. He's even created a model to help people to ditch the drink by going through four steps. He uses the acronym MEDS. And he's writing a book, so just watch this space. Talking of books, we're offering a free copy of our ebook this week. It's called 66 Days to Sobriety, and we'll send it to anyone who emails us. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.